All right. We're gonna do it the scan away. I'm gonna suck your brain dry. All right. So, this is a special episode of the Mars Magazine podcast. First time I think I've ever done one outside. We are in New York with a fresh from L.A., John Threat, and yours truly, Adario Strange. Uh, what was that face? What was that? What was that? What was that? Yours truly, Adario Strange. Um, so, we're going to talk about just a couple of... This is going to be a short episode. We're going to talk about the iPhone 10, otherwise known as iPhone X. And we're also going to talk about the face recognition, iPhone 8. And then also, this is something I've been, like, I think, pestering you for maybe two, three years to do. Uh, John Thread is a renowned uh, hacker for, I guess, you know, several decades. He's been on the cover of Wired, um, very well known just in the security community. And I've been begging him to watch Mr. Robot, basically the, I would say, the most mainstream uh, hacker or depiction of hackers that we've ever seen on television. So I've been begging him to watch this for several years because I, wa- I wanted to get his uh, impressions, like what he thought. So he finally saw it, so we'll finally get that. But first, let's get into the iPhone. So Tim Cook, Craig Federighi, and his team, they all came out on stage. Uh, I guess it's been like a couple weeks now. They unveiled the iPhone 8, the iPhone 8 Plus, and the Apple 10, uh, which is really the Apple X, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I have my thoughts, but I'm just curious. What was your knee-jerk? What was your knee-jerk impression well, my of all? knee-jerk, right off the bat, is that I'm really impressed with the one feature upgrade that they touted during during their speech, and that was that... Now you can buy a phone for $1,000. That is the only feature <laughs> that seems to be of note about the phone. It literally has nothing else going for it. Now, I've always been rapidly anti-Apple, as you know. But, um, I mean, I respect what they do. They've changed many things. and very innovative. But in terms of the iPhone, I'm not necessarily a fan for other reasons that relates to my hacker background. And I have to just say that, like, in some ways, this announcement of the new phone has been a comeuppance for me. Because now, finally, all my friends are like, yo, you're right. The only thing that was an upgrade was the distinction of buying a phone for $1,000. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same basket. I mean, this isn't really an upgrade. This is a hustle, in my opinion. This is... I think part of the, the charm of Apple was we always kind of knew that the marketing is what you were buying. But they successfully, I think, most of the time kind of disguised that what they were really selling was marketing and not really significant feature upgrades. Because most of the stuff they were selling was stuff you could get at other, you know, from other phones, at least in recent years. This, to me, is essentially proof that all they sell is marketing. Um, And I think that's buttressed by the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus. Uh, the, The feature set is just marginally better than iPhone 7, iPhone 7 Plus. And so, I mean, if you have the iPhone 7, there's really no reason to upgrade to iPhone 8. And as for iPhone X, I just, I have to look at my phone to unlock it or use a passcode. 
that's just that's just a non-starter for me. The uh, I can't remember. The, everyone's calling it a wedge or something. There's other. There's another name they're using for that little area that interrupts the screen, like at the top of the phone. That doesn't work for landscape video. Uh, for various apps, it's pretty awkward. Um, I mean, this is. This was supposed to be the 10th anniversary phone. This was supposed to be the phone that kind of, you know, because it came out in 20, 2007. So this was supposed to be like the decade anniversary and also kind of like the phone that kind of paid homage to the memory of Steve Jobs. I feel like this is a big fail. I feel like, man, I, I feel like I'm going too hard, but I, like Tim no, you're, Cook. You're actually going under. You're being soft. Well, Tim Cook, Tim Cook for years was kind of like one of Steve Jobs' uh, lieutenants. And my understanding is he kind of like was like a supply chain expert. And that was kind of like pricing supply chain. Well, this is what happens when a supply chain pricing expert becomes CEO of what is a creativity and, and quote unquote magic driven technology company. You now have a situation that we generally don't have with, with Apple, which is uh, too many products. You now have, I think, what do you have? You have the iPhone SE. You have the iPhone 6 models, you have the iPhone 7 models, now you have the iPhone 8 models, and you have the iPhone X. That is, I think that's the most, the, the largest variety of iPhones they've ever had on offer. And part of like their kind of value add that they've always sold is their simplicity as a brand. That's not simplicity. To me, this is starting to look like, and you know, maybe I don't, I don't, I, I don't, know how you feel about Microsoft compared to me, but to me, this is starting to look like Microsoft in terms of like just a cluster of too many SKUs, too many brands, too many tiers. Too many um, SKUs. Yeah. Is that, is that too much? Is that too, no, I love too it. retail SKU. talking? <laughs> um, so now, I mean, like if you are in the market for an iPhone, I don't think you know what the hell to buy. No, I think that, I think that's right. I feel like the magic of Apple, for better or worse, was that whole like limited skew like here are our best best of breed and there's not many of them but here's what we got just for you and now it's not like that but also really honestly i mean samsung worked really diligently evidently to make the most amazing phone ever and i mean the iphone just is is chasing it whereas before it was the innovator now it's chasing other <laughs> Other technology, HTC is still amazing, even if the sales don't echo it. And then Samsung just killed it with one of the best phones ever made. So wait, so you're just going to give Samsung a pass on the, the Flame phone, the Note 7? I mean, if you have the best phone in the world, if it blows up, I mean, that's just... Whatever. Oh, it just happens? Things, stuff happens? Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> Okay. Firecrackers are kind of fun, right? You know, okay. They blow up and they burn your fingers. You don't stop liking firecrackers, do you? I mean, so I mean, just design-wise, I feel like just back on the iPhone 10 or X. I mean, do you think this is like? Were you ever a big fan of Apple? I feel like the answer is no. I, no, I no, yeah. never. I mean, as a as a computer hacker, it was never possible for me to like you. I mean. I know that a lot of my hacker friends have converted to Apple as they got older. Um, I get it, but not for me. I've always felt like it hit away what was important about computing and like understanding that nature. It's kind of like new cars, right? When you had older cars, you eventually sort of learned how to fix them. 
because everything under the hood was accessible. You look at the carburetor, it might take you 10 year past, but eventually you're like, yo, I could clean the carburetor. Or I could jumpstart this vehicle by pushing it up a hill or down a hill. That's not the case anymore. Now with newer cars, it's sealed up. Do not touch, take it straight to the engineer. And I feel like computers are like that. And Apple sort of drove that a bit. Like, yo, don't worry about it. It's all good. You don't have to touch anything. Just take it to one of our quote-unquote geniuses and they'll fix it for you. But in the old days, that actually is something you probably should be in parity with, with your computer, how to fix it. You should be able to, like, fix it on your own, and that's very empowering. So that's my one of my main beefs with it. I mean, there are also devices I love. I love the iPad, even though I don't use any other product but the iPad. The iPad is amazing. I love the iPad Pro. It is amazing. Yeah. Particularly when you uh, mix it with the, um, or combine it with the uh, the new smart keyboard. The type, the type, the, you know, what you can like, as a magnetic connector. And nice. It basically turns it into a laptop. It, it's it's nice. awesome. It's awesome. The iPhone is fucking great. That showed huge vision. It's incredible. But like the, the other products I've never been a fan of. And also some of that has to do with like some of the initial data plans. Some of the initial data plans that were um, troubling for me personally. One of my personal issues is about the nature of our personal data and what it's used for. So, but, Apple, I mean, they have a good record on it, right? They have a good PR record. So you feel like their fight with the FBI was just PR and not a real resistance? Because, I mean, they, they really fought hard to not cave in to the demands of the FBI. It's troubling to be on record about this, but, I mean, <laughs> the answer is, yeah, no. no yeah, no what? what that, that was like a double answer. It was. Nice try. Yeah, yeah, no what? <laughs> it just means, like, yeah, no, I wasn't I wasn't pleased with what the reality of the situation was versus the PR on it. Okay. So, back to the design of the iPhone X. I, I look at it with the little notch with, uh, you know, this kind of face recognition thing. And, and I guess now you have to, like, click the side button to enter a passcode if you don't want to use face, facial recognition. It just looks like something that would have been produced by a different company, some other company that that doesn't have, you know, this this I guess dedication to design in its DNA. I mean, whatever you want to say about Apple, I, I feel, at least historically, it has been one of the best uh, when it comes to design, technology, design of uh, hardware, and to maybe a lesser extent software, but definitely hardware. Um, just to, before I forget, iOS 11 on the iPad is amazing. It's if you get a chance to try it, if, you know I'm talking to listeners now. If you get a chance to try it, go to whatever an Apple store, wherever they sell iPad Pros or just regular iPads. Try iOS 11 on an iPad, and you may be swayed. But back to the iPhone stuff. Um, so let's talk about the face recognition stuff. So. Did you see this in, in action, like on video? Did you, like, what you think? Like, how did, you know, how did it come off to you? Yeah, so I was like, I just happened to be at a store when they were playing the keynote about about the iPhone. And, um, yeah, in a, in a place where everybody was pro-Apple. And um, okay. they were all very lukewarm about it. And so I took the chance to, like, really dig in the knife. Lukewarm on the phone itself, or just that feature? 
on the phone itself and the feature. I feel like facial, I don't use facial recognition. Like I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I don't fuck around with that. I don't fuck around with facial recognition or iris. In a way, you you can't really escape it. At some point, you have to. You're gonna have to meet the databases that exist out there, and your irises will be in there. Um, um, I'm just hoping that the copy that that is on file for me is as low grade as possible. Um, but like, the truth is, is that uh, facial recognition is great if everybody plays square. But that's just not the case. I mean, there's so much data that can even be pulled from a momentary facial recognition moment about how you're feeling, if you're depressed, if you're happy, if you're ready to buy products, if you're ready to have sex, if you're ready to fucking kill yourself. There's so many different moments that can be captured from even a second. And once they have it, it can be cross-referenced literally across the world. All okay, well, it takes is a lapse in one company's judgment well, just, to sell it to a company, well, okay. and then literally every country on Earth has access to it. Okay, but just in Apple's defense, what they're saying is that the facial recognition data will not be sent into the cloud, that it will remain localized on the device. So at least for now, uh, according to Apple, that won't be an issue. Right. Sounds good. I don't know. For my trepidation is I don't like the notion of being forced into biometrics. And they came out with a Touch ID using your fingerprint. I was not a fan of that. But the fact that you could also use your uh, passcode, which is pretty much what I do, you know, that was, you know, that was, that was fine. But now what they've created is a situation where... I mean, you're, you're basically being encouraged to take a million photos of yourself. I mean, other than just, and just to, for those who aren't completely versed in what's going on with iPhone 10, aside from the facial recognition, the front-facing cameras also uh, have the ability to animate emoji. Like, they allow you, like, they basically can track your face and allow you to, you know, put augmented reality masks on your face or... You know, like I said, you know, uh, animate an emoji, like in real time. But this, to me, is like, these are gimmicks. These aren't things that we need. These aren't things that necessarily make my life better. And the biometric feature of Face ID, I just, it's creepy. I don't think it's necessary. And I definitely don't think it's worth the premium that you're paying for the phone. Uh, I know the screen is supposed to be better than the iPhone 8. Uh, so on and so forth. But I just there's not enough there for it to be the premium phone. <laughs> the other thing where I think they stumbled, and I'm kind of maybe moving to a different area, if you want to come back to security, fine. At WWDC earlier this year, they made a big deal about ARKit, uh, the developer platform to allow developers to create augmented reality apps. And I think the expectation from a lot of people was that the iPhone 10 would somehow harness... AR kit apps in a greater way than maybe lower tier phones like even the iPhone 8, iPhone 7, iPhone 6, and I think iPhone SE, the, the latest iPhone SE also has the A9 chip, so you can also use AR kit apps on that as well. But at the top tier for iPhone 10, I think the expectation was we would see something amazing, astounding that only the iPhone 10 could do with augmented reality. And as far as I know, that's not the case. Uh, other than the selfie stuff, you know. 
I think I, well, one comment about that is that obviously, if the hardware is awesome, there's always a chance that you know later on there could be software upgrades that allow you to take advantage of some of the features, like the advanced camera, to be able to take advantage of like facial recognition. Eventually, could probably be used for different AR AR related projects and be used in amazing different ways. As long as the camera has enough different sensors and they're fine enough to record both visually and also like, you know, positioning, GPS, um, accelerometers and other sensors, temperature, probably do amazing things later on with software upgrades and people testing the hardware pushing it to its limits. Right. So in that regard, yo, maybe the iPhone features is going to be fucking dope. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm sure developers will experiment with, you know, things that Apple didn't even think of. So there are all kind of possibilities out there. But I mean, right. although Apple will be right there to slap them with an injunction to kill an app <laughs> as soon as it does anything cool. And then they'll put out an app themselves. That's that it, yeah. That's it, that, that, that does seem to happen. Fucked up to say, but but I mean, the wrap up, I think what the most interesting thing about the whole Apple event, the release of the new phones is the fact that even Apple fans, as you said, and I saw the same thing, were underwhelmed. There was a general sense that, you know, Apple kind of, they whiffed it or whatever, whatever, whatever the, the, you know, they, they, they kind of, they, they didn't strike out, but they kind of, they, they, they punted. They, it just, it this wasn't a home run that the, that the anniversary iPhone was supposed to be. Now, it was kind of dampened a bit because about four or five days uh, before the event, a giant leak happened because of um, a uh, Golden Master version of iOS 11 uh, was somehow leaked to the public. And so a lot of the things that we heard about on stage during the event, we already knew several days before. But nevertheless, People were expecting more. And Yo, so, Golden Master sounds like a crazy martial arts movie. I'd love to see. Well, yeah, I love when they call you. Yeah, that's you know the the version of software like kind of right before the final release, and I like that they call it Golden Master. But yeah, I, I kind of feel, and I don't want to be the doomsayer, but I really do feel like this is kind of perhaps the beginning of Apple losing its 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 shine, its specialness. It's I mean, maybe for people like you there never was any specialness there. I've been an Apple fan for a long time. Um, I can I, see know. it even as not Apple I can see it. I mean there's no doubt that the magic has been gone. How they can rejuvenate it, that is a difficult question. You would need somebody close Tim Cook would need somebody close to him that's super smart and open up that valve two ideas. Um, and, the, and, and the only problem is, I think the country or the companies most well positioned to kind of overtake or present the best challenge to Apple are mostly in China. But, you know, there are a number of security issues that people have with regard to how the government interacts with its companies. So, you know, and the data and the apps used on their, on their devices and maybe possible backdoors and that kind of thing. So there's that issue. So other than that, you just have Korea with... Uh, Samsung, and I guess to a lesser extent Taiwan, but then you just have HTC just uh, sold their whole phone unit to uh, Google, so that kind of knocks the, the big giant from Taiwan out. So it's, it's kind of like it's, it's mainly at this point Samsung in South Korea and China, so I don't know, maybe just, you know, I'm not optimistic. I'm, I'm almost ready to just like switch back to a flip phone, I'll be honest. Like maybe just use like... Well, there's a lot of 
cultural cool cachet and having a flip phone and not a smartphone. Well, yeah, maybe like a retro, a retro thing. I, I just at this point, I really I was planning to upgrade. I was planning to get the top tier new iPhone. That was my mm. plan. Well, if you don't get it, I mean, I then the mighty have truly fallen. Okay, all right, thank you very much. Okay, and so with that, with that nice little jab that he took at my uh, at my gut there, we're gonna move on and we're gonna talk about Mr. Robot. The series on USA Networks, created by Sam Esmail, and I think it's about to, like, I, I could be misspeaking, I think it's about to start its fourth season? Third. Five nine didn't get rid of the invisible hand. The fear I created is spreading so fast it's practically airborne. But today, I found a way to hit undo. <laughs> friend it feels great so you finally got to see it yes. after my pestering of you for years first of all let me just kind of set the stage of what this is so mr robot at least from my vantage point i'm a huge fan of mr robot is basically about a young man who is a hacker who also has some mental problems and the series, the television series, does a great job of kind of blurring lines between uh, mental health, his perspective regarding his mental health, and some of the very real, or at least, you know, real in the world of this fictional TV show, uh, hacks that he executes. And so what happens in the series is that a group of hackers essentially take on uh, the world, the banking systems, the credit systems. They take on the world. And I don't want to spoil it for you if you guys out there haven't seen it. I'm assuming a lot of you have. If, you know, if you're listening to the Mars Magazine podcast, you probably already heard it or probably already watched the series. But if you haven't, I don't want to spoil too much. So with that said, spoilers coming because we're going to get deep into season one. So I haven't seen season one for a while. I haven't refreshed myself. I'm curious. You just you just saw this. Where are you at? Like, Give, give me your impression. You, right. you finally saw it. Well, I'm a hacker, so it's difficult. I'm obviously going to be harsher. I also work in the creative sphere related to film and television. So you're the perfect person to comment on this, yeah. I also have to be guarded about my comments, I feel like. But I'm going to be trying to be as open as possible. My first, the first two or three episodes, I have to admit, I really, really like them. I totally see why this series put its hooks into a lot of people. It was of the moment. It's what people wanted. Hacking is totally part of like of society, and like um, it's what was needed. It hit right at the right time. Uh, 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 fucking anonymous was still a thing at the at that particular time. The Edward Snowden thing had just went down. It was the perfect time for it to drop right in the middle. Um, now it, it had uh, uh, it did have some realistic hacking situations. Ah. Um, you acknowledge that there were some realistic situations. With massive caveats. But I'm not going to get, I'm going to save that for a little bit. Okay. I just want to say that, like, yo, listen, the first couple episodes were really fucking good. Now, it had other subplots going on that I was open to, but after a while, it used sort of like a fight club device for a mental illness, and that sort of like threw me for a little bit. Um, 
good at first, but then when Mr. Robot didn't turn out to have like a deeper Spoiler. connotation to it, and it was just like his dad that didn't exist was fighting with him, I it really threw me because like it became for me not a series about hacking. Like hacking actually became the background and actually became more of a struggle with mental illness and drugs personally. Uh, for me, every episode should be about hacking. For me to make it, to think of it as a hacking series, that's my personal take on it. Because there's so much depth to hacking. What do you think they got right? Let's start with the positive. Like, what was... Give me, like, a couple of examples of things you saw where you were like, oh, cool. Like, I like how they pulled that off. Well, I mean, they chose to go with a with a, um, an Asperger hacker dude. Um, Elliot. Right, which I don't think is off base. I mean, there are a lot of programmer dudes that are Aspergery. I would, all, and some of the best people in security that find holes are Aspergery, but none of the best hackers are Aspergery. None. It's just, it's not. You actually need a bit of social skill, and you need um, other things that sometimes being autistic sort of block you from. So now, hold on. Let's take a pause there, because because I was thinking technical, but let's talk about social. So you're saying. Just to be clear, that in in your circles, the very best, the most elite hackers are actually quite uh, skilled in social engineering and, and socializing. It's not and so chatting much people social up. engineering. It's that there's a nature to understanding. You have to know how to apply your skills, and sometimes autistic cats are very good at finding holes, but they're not as good at because they don't have some of the social aspect processing. It. They don't know where to apply those skills properly. And that'll make a huge difference in between directing your ability to break into systems um, and what to do with it. You can be really skilled, and if you don't know where to attack or what to do with it, then it's kind of useless. Like, you'll be just breaking So you're saying there's an element of creativity needed. There's a bit of creativity that's needed to it. I agree. That's the perfect way to put it. And that's just my experience having met hackers. So what about the personality thing and the socialized, you know, what about that? And the ability to just, like, meet a stranger and chat him up. I mean, that's a way to convey a lot of information. They had a scene like that where he was struggling to, like, social engineering dominate a person. And he was struggling to do it, and then he did it. And it was just interesting that, like, for me, like, as a character, there was no... He never dealt with, like, hurting that guy in the hallway when they penetrated um, a storage facility. They didn't really... You know, they didn't really... um, deal with the extension of of what he did to that guy. And that was like a moment of death that was missing. All right, so here's another thing they got right. I like that they created like a team, F Society. That was dope. I didn't necessarily dig the team. Nobody else on the team had anything else to do. None of them seemed very skilled. It seemed like we were the only one that had skills. To well, me. I mean, maybe a lot of that stuff. It's, my assumption was a lot of their skills happened off screen. I mean, they couldn't yeah. just be standing around. That sounds like they ran out of creative ways oh, to yeah, show I mean, it's, hacking. It's, okay. Um, like, they even had a girl in a hijab on the team, and she has, like, nothing to do. She's, I'm, like, not, literally she, I'm sure around. she did something. There's stuff that she's doing off screen. I'm sure that's my assumption. That's what they, yeah. It's she called the main around. character, and, and, you know. It's debatable, but that's my take on it. Okay. She's standing around. And all the characters, they really don't do anything, and including Mr. Robot. I mean, technically, his dad is not a hacker. He just, he's fighting with 
his past with him in his mind. Okay, so but back to what you the, the right aspect. You're saying that you like you, you felt like so you've seen teams like this. You've seen kind of like ragtag kind of like assemblages of like people who yeah, you no, wouldn't necessarily good. expect no, to be good. together. But like the actual team itself is not they don't do anything. So there's no reason for them. They don't do anything. And then the fact that is did they get the multicultural and women in hacking aspect right? In other words, uh, F Society, you have women, at least in the small group that we see, you have women, you have multiple races. Was that No, that was accurate? good. Women were left out of it, out of a lot of other hacker stories. So you, but I mean, do you feel like it was accurate? Aside from whether you think it was good, do you think it was an accurate representation? It wasn't accurate for, inaccurate for those reasons. It was inaccurate to me just because they didn't have anything to do. Okay, so aside from execution. And, then, and they weren't banging anybody. So then, uh, <laughs> well, that's not quite true. I mean, he didn't realize his sister was his sister, yeah, and then he tried, sister, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a lot but left it didn't on look, the table. But like the, 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 the composition. Skills, like, what, what was her deal? Like, but, I mean, the composition of the team looked realistic to you. No, it didn't. Oh, well, wait a minute. You're confusing me now. I thought you said that that was... I like the you, spirit of it, but for me... So, so give what? What is a more realistic demographic? Um, I mean, there's too many teams. There's so many teams. Like, there's different things. Like this moment. Like, there's definitely not an ages thing. There's groups that had old people and young people and different walks of life. They just didn't interact like a team. That's and they didn't. Like I said, they didn't really display that many acting skills. Okay, but aside, I'm, I'm trying to nail down something. So, aside from these things you're talking about, what they actually executed on screen or what they were depicted as doing. I'm talking about the demographics, the, the, the genders, the ages, the races. Did you feel like that was a realistic, like, look at what it wasn't some un, of the... It wasn't unrealistic. It, it wasn't just, unrealistic. It wasn't unrealistic. That's a mealy mouth kind of... <laughs> it was. <laughs> no, I got, a meal, I got a meal mouth on that one. Okay, all right. Um, because I don't want to... I, like, I feel like there's so many teams you can't... What about the the part where they then move to, I guess it's a Chinese hacking group, and they kind of interface with them, and it's yeah, kind of like this just, big deal. Start, yeah, that's where it starts. To have you have you ever experienced like this kind of like okay, we are, you know, this group of American hackers. Yo, now I have crazy, crazy stories, intense stories of interacting with the hackers around the world. You know what they don't do. And I get visual stuff. I do visual stuff for a living. You know what they don't do? What's that? They don't pick you up in limo with fucking dragon masks. <laughs> okay. It's just stupid. It's okay. Stupid. I mean, I get it. I get where if you don't the know. The drama. You, the dramatic. I, but yeah. no, if you don't know and you're right. just guessing, you just go for a visual. I right. They did it. You know, more power to Right. It just leaves the table open for other interpretations of it. Right. It just is that's just not that just doesn't even make sense. How about I, in the I, way the the way that the politics work and the interaction I of feel things? Like, there are a lot of tense situations and they just don't go down anywhere near like that. And like the whole mask thing is just a mark of of the not true players in the situation. That's just not well, how I think, we well, it seems like what they were trying to do, they were trying to mix hackers with kind of like the anonymous Guy Fawkes mask right, no, I get, wearing I people I that we've been seeing over the last like 10 years. Right, I agree. That's what it was. That's what the inspiration was. But it's just not... So you felt that. is so much more interesting mm. and amazing and dynamic. How so? 
How so? I mean, without giving away any, you know, details. Well, I mean, for one, besides, I mean, usually the in-person meetings could be a lot cooler and more dramatic than a limo vast. And then on top of it, a lot of times hackers use other hackery ways to interact for with example. each other. I mean, examples in the show, like the way they sent a message to him, there was a file that he opened up and said F Society. But there's a lot more dramatic ways to do that in computer hacking. And, like, that's not really explored in season one or even season two. I feel like, though, you have to admit that one aspect that they got right, I feel, as not someone who is a high-level hacker but has had some contact with this world, the solitary nature of at least what looks like Elliot's life looks like it's mostly extremely solitary and that he's used to basically, you know, just staring into a screen by himself, like, you know, for long stretches of time, and, you know, kind of like almost ignoring his, his own personal, you know, whether his apartment is, you know, messed up or whether it's a nice apartment, cheap apartment, whatever. Like that's meaningless to him. Everything that means anything is kind of like on that screen. Like, like I feel like you have to admit like they kind of got that wrong, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I grant that. Like, okay. I mean, it is a lonely existence for a lot well, of actors. that was the part that I did. It's always meant to be like, you, no one will ever really know how you feel. That's why we gravitate towards each other and sniff each other's butts like dogs. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, okay. I mean, it's true. It's, it's, no one really knows other than other actors. Okay. So what else? What else was... Did you think the series got right? Um, what they, I will so, I mean, I think that there was some technical stuff that was right. Such as? Um, I mean, all the technical stuff was right. It, the only thing for me is that all the technical stuff that they showed was the mark of bad hackers. Like people who are not good. None of the hacks in there were of people who are dope. They're people who are worker bees and security companies. They are not the people that crack systems internationally. Just that part. I mean, I'm not, I don't think that's bad. I just think it opens it up to like other series to have that kind of stuff in it. All the okay, stuff so in there was very pedestrian. It was accurate, but it was like the mark of some, like all of, every hack in there was the mark of someone that would be hacked. Because they don't know what they're... They're just going by rope by what the worst hackers who just had worker bee jobs said. This is the minimum you do to be secure or to do an audit on a system. It was all the lowest rung stuff that you could possibly imagine. Okay, so that, that kind of dovetails with the next phase of kind of your review. What, what was horribly wrong? Like, what did they really, really get just like how how is this even being broadcast level wrong um i mean i think i feel like i touched on that already but if i had to dig deeper i mean in any case there's definitely simplifications in terms of telling a story i mean you know sort of like hacking the prison which once again very much seemed to fall off to elliot for the narrative the team was like i need help but then they didn't really do anything. He did it all. So what was the point? Not to mention, evidently, any scene that Mr. Robot's being mean to them, it's not really Mr. Robot. It's him being psycho with them, smacking them up with guns. 
what what about the in terms of realism this kind of intersect intersection of like gangsters and thugs high level and street level with hackers was, was there any realism to that in your estimation yeah I, was, I, I didn't have a problem with that just like the so idea, that happens right but the idea of escaping prison in New York City. Like no, but I mean, are there, I mean, is it, is, is it a real thing? I mean, is it a real thing that there are like drug dealers who happen upon hackers and then begin to harness their yeah, skills? Yeah, I thought that was all realistic. I didn't have a problem with that. I didn't even have a problem with the escape sequence per se. Joe kept slipping to where he was just basically an uber hacker. With mediocre, even though tech, the technical skills shown were all mediocre. I work at a security company. Either what I think, what goes on, I'm a know-it-all. I think this is what happens, but totally not with the real I mean, hacking they, is. They got it right enough to where you. I mean, you're you're saying that they got some technical things right. So I'm kind of wondering, yeah. like, if maybe you're being too hard because it's like if they did truly elite, truly one thousand percent accurate hacks and showed these on screen. You know, where people could kind of like screen grab and kind of look at all the stuff. Wouldn't that kind of be... Uh... I don't know if you mean the exact thing. What I mean is that the nature of what they're talking about is actually how... All the things shown is how people lose. That's how companies get hacked. That's mm. how Equifax okay. gets hacked. The okay. shit that they're showing as actual security or, or testing or breaking into things. Those are all the things that lose in computer security. But I was, I'm so glad you brought that up. I almost forgot about that. Equifax. So now that just happened. Yeah. And that actually is like a so perfect, beautiful. that's a perfect uh, mirror oh, of, so of what happened in, again, spoilers for Mr. Robot Season 1, but that's a perfect mirror of what happened in the series. So I'm curious, like, now that this has kind of hit reality, beautiful. now we're looking around and yes, Equifax is taking hits. Uh, my understanding is that some of the executives have so, like sold stock once they like before the public knew they found out that this had happened and some of them sold stock at least that's my understanding uh, they're, they're you know the stock is you know plummeted and they're in big trouble supposedly but unlike the TV show people aren't running around the streets you know claiming anarchy you know there doesn't seem to be you know uh businesses collapsing everywhere so where what's the disconnect what am i missing like what what how do you see also this by extra, the way that anarchy line uh subplot of it didn't really finish out strong so so i mean but so now that now that equifax actually happened versus you know what we saw in mr robot like how do you someone like you see what's going on with it well, i mean that's not enough to crash the system i mean most people aren't even worried about I see nobody worried about it, actually. To be quite honest, most citizens aren't really worried about it. They really affect them. But you don't think this represents like a fundamental breach that will basically compromise most U.S. consumers, at least, for yeah. the foreseeable future? Oh, it's fucking huge. I just don't think anybody can really articulate it to anybody how big it is and how significant it is. Most citizens cannot comprehend Actual, and it's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of one, like the, most people don't really know. And the thing is, is that the effect of it did not, it might not be seen for years. And even then, with as much as big as the data is, it may only wind up only affecting a few people, not enough to like make society flip out about it. Okay, so. People, from your perspective, people won't understand the implications of the Equifax, Equifax breach. 
for years to come. But within the hacker community, like what is this like kind of like a is this Christmas? Like is this like what's going on right now? Like in, in the minds of like, you know, the or in, in that world, like is this I mean so many thoughts. I mean one issue is about the people that they fire talk about the execs. The nature of the hack itself wasn't something that the USA execs necessarily had control over. But in a way, that's true and untrue. I mean, it happened. the access happened from another country. It's just difficult. The weakest link in any system is usually human. And you just can't effectively manage a huge company. is always going to be someone that lapses in their security. Okay, so and I would even say that process for that it can't start the moment you have a job it's something you have to learn as a kid in school like any classes in high school about personal security and it's the same way you learn other shit i mean these are fundamental right, right. it's become a, fun- a learning and right, drive fundamental right like, defensive driving right yeah. it's a fundamental that's how i kind of think of it of as, learning life right and so like you have people who have you know have had long careers in this and they don't even know the fundamentals like day to day. They know what's been prescribed to them as an adult, but it's different learning as a reflex. It's like learning to play football. You play football in high school and you play football in high school and then you, you know, you innately know it. And then you go into fucking college and then. Yeah, there's just certain things that become automatic. Right? Automatic, that, that like a reflex. Right. And a lot of people don't have these reflexes. They have huge jobs. And they, titles and money, but they actually have no reflexes, you know, for computer security. And the business grew so big, and they need people constantly. Equifax is no, Every company around the world. So there's a lot of people, they have no idea what they're doing. So, they so, sound good in the room, blah, blah, blah. Well, Everyone needs Cali Unix, the way they say in um, Mr. Robot. While Cali Unix, that's the mark of someone that has no idea how to secure a computing from scratch. That's like trying to use an uh, iPad to, like, I don't know, to code a fucking Quake. It can be done. It's just not... You know what I'm saying? That's not okay. what you start out at. So let's let's bring it back as we kind of wrap up. Let's bring it back to Mr. Robot and it's kind of like prediction of the apocalypse through computer hacking. So now that we kind of actually have, you know, reality mirroring fantasy or mirroring fiction with Equifax and people aren't running around the streets, hair on fire, what exactly would it take if, if, if such a massive breach of Equifax doesn't do what we saw on Mr. Robot, what do you think would? bring about something like that? Well, I don't know if revolutions... I'm talking about from a hacking perspective. Specifically, yeah. what, what hacking events... It's never events. one thing. Revolutions... Well, even a collection of things. things what collection like, of Everything hacks? happens like a feather on a camel's back. It just doesn't work like that. It takes... It's not the... Like, it's a cascade of events uh, and it's something land break, breaking point. So, like, at least in my study, the nature of, like, upsetting the system... Yeah, it just doesn't happen from, like, one hack. It has to be that, and it has to be contextualized for society. But that doesn't happen from just that well, I kind somebody... of feel like, well, speaking of that, I think yeah. with all the hacks, like, we've had, like, I think, water company hacks, uh, attempts on utility companies, you know, electric... So I feel like that's probably going to come, where there's a hack on a major... You know, like we've had blackouts in the past, you know, the 70s, I think 2003, there was a big blackout here on the East Coast. I mean, I can imagine a day when there is both an electricity hack and a water hack that maybe happen simultaneously that aren't 
you know, acts of war. You're just, you know, somebody decided, okay, I know how to do this. I'm going to do it. Maybe that. Maybe All right. You know, let me explain the scenario that might freak you out. What if you got an email, an email that shows your bank account, undeniably your bank account, account number, everything, and it shows the current amount. You got a second email that shows half the amount. And you got a third email that says zero. And you rush and check it. And it really is zero. What if 10 million people in New York City got that email at the same time? Their bank Let's say it's just one bank. That bank services 3 million people. They all got that email. You see, motherfuckers. Couple questions. So, in that scenario, that hypothetical scenario, are you? Does that mean that when the person goes to check their actual account, that the funds actually are there and they're just seeing zero, or the the funds have actually somehow been removed? No, the funds are actually removed, but it just added a layer. I could just give you a little taste of terror, right? Leading up to financial just to give terror, you a little, right? A little extra knife, like it's a cascade of events. But my idea would be like, if you provided an amount of financial terror to go along with the major act, that would cause society to fucking start to rent the park. A lot of people would have to answer for it because he runs on the bank. Other banks would have to answer in tandem or in response to that. Beef up their security, which could lead to mistakes. It could be really bad. But the way of like Equifax is just side art. We've already kind of surrendered our, our, our personal data. So in a lot of ways, a lot of people don't, they're just like whatever. And a lot of people don't really understand the nature of their personal data stored on Equifax. They think of it as their credit rating. They're like, whatever, they got my credit. They don't realize it's all their ads. Those are the keys. Yeah, it's blah, everything. Blah, blah. Yeah. Now, I have seen media reports try to explain that to me, but it's like deeper than that, the amount of data. Okay, so wrapping up Mr. Robot, season one. You told me off mic that you had no plans to continue watching this. Is that true? Are you done? Is it going to be a guilty pleasure? I mean, and, I and, 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 wait, you and can bigger, never say never, but I mean, it just, like I said, it's not, for me, it's not a hacker show. So. Well, the bigger question is do you think it's done more harm than good? Do you think the show itself, Mr. Robot, is depiction of hacking, is depiction of hackers, it's depiction of hacker culture? Do you think it's done more harm than good? It's done. I feel like the hacker. I feel like Mr. Robot has done no harm. I don't know. I feel like it does actually doesn't show hacker culture at all. It's very in brief. It has some moments, but it really doesn't represent hacker culture. But listen, honestly, it could take like two or three different shows to really show the breadth of hacker culture. Just like hip hop culture, it's not monolithic. There's multiple ways to interact with it, and tendrils in it, and periods and stuff. There's no way Mr. Robot can cover it all, but in my my estimation, I feel like it's hacker culture very minimal. But no harm done. No harm done. Okay, great. So, thank you for finally watching it. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll keep watching you to see if you pick it back up. I might. I'll be very curious to see if you continue it. Uh, this has been the Mars Magazine podcast. Um, our special guest this week, John Threats, filmmaker, hacker, uh, creator. Uh, edge liver. Did you go to Burning Man, by the way? Not this year. But no. you've been, right? I have. How been. many times you've been? I've been three times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, AK, can I can I say your your vehicle? AKA. Yes. Jeep bastard. I'm I'm sure you I took your, that your, a while, yeah. your your Jeep out there. You know. Uh, thanks for joining us, and 
Uh, this is Dario Strange, and we will see you in the future.